So has anyone memorized them yet? The fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity. That's the one that always messes me up because it doesn't have a second syllable. Faithfulness, which is what we're talking about today. Goodness. No, just kidding. Uh, Gentleness and self-control. Now, I always tell the kids when we have a challenge of memorizing the scripture, that it's not just about memorizing the words, but memorizing the meaning. So oftentimes they get the gist of it and they still get their piece of candy because that's the essence of it. And these particular words of our scripture for today are no different. We're not so simply supposed to look at the different words that are on the page, but we are supposed to be those words on the page. So this summer we've been going through us being more loving, us being filled with joy, us having a sense of peace. And they go on and today we're talking about our faithfulness. Faithfulness. Now, I can look at different types of faithfulness and think, well, the word is faith. What is my faith? Where did I come from? How do I have faith? And each one of us has faith stories. We talk about this a lot, actually, in our Thursday morning women's small group, cow. We talk about different people have different kinds of faith journey, and we should not say to one person or another, Well, I had this huge mountaintop experience when I was 18 that turned me away from all wrong and sin, and I turned towards Jesus. That's a great story. That's a great faith story. We want people to have faith stories like that. But we also want people to have faith stories like this. I went to church in general when I was a kid, sometimes drugged by my parents, sometimes just because I wanted to see my friends. And then somewhere around after college, I made the conscious choice to actually attend church for myself. It wasn't regularly, but as I got older, maybe after I had kids, it got regular. Everyone has a different kind of faith story, even the kind of faith story of my 60-year-old grandfather, who after all the different times in his life when he could have turned towards God, didn't. But when he was 60 years old... He made a conscious choice to turn towards God and it wasn't too late and it's not any better or any less of a story. We want people to turn towards God and have faith at any time. So I'm glad you all are here today. We can talk a little bit about faith. My faith journey is like the middle one. I started going to church when I was young. I had really great mountaintop like experiences. I mean, we were building in houses in Mexico over spring break and having worship service for Good Friday in different languages and different places. And we were exhausted and sharing stories, that kind of like emotional drain that you get. Of course, there were kind of genius moments then. Or when I flipped out in college and wasn't doing such a great job in school and really needed to start thinking about how to turn my life around, though that was a come to Jesus moment. Or when I decided, holy crap, I'm going to go to seminary, that was a come to Jesus moment. <laughs> our faith shows our weaknesses. Our faith also shows the great power that God has. Our dependence, humility, and mystery all have a role to play in the different pieces of our life stories. And faith, it doesn't ignore the messiness and difficulties of life, does it? 
Hard times will come and the unexpected will knock us down. But it's at those moments that our faith shines. Our faith shines. Our passage for today is particular. It has a particular point to say. And I'll just say it now because I feel like if I say it four times, then you'll get it. It's not great faith that we need, but faith, no matter how small, in a great God that we need. It's not about how big our faith is, but it's about how big our God that we have faith in is. So our Presbyterian forefathers actually had a lot to say about this. Has anyone ever come up to you and asked, so what's the difference between Presbyterian and Lutheran or and Catholic or Mormon? Here's one of those things that you can say. Are you ready for this? This is reformed theology at its best. And Presbyterian is one of the reformed denominations. That's a lot. But just so you know, a person cannot have any faith without God first working in that person. That's a huge difference because you might actually think that some denominations think that God is more of a responder to our faith. But in Presbyterian faith, we believe that God works first in us and then we might exercise that faith. A second piece of reformed theology that you might want to know when you're having those deep theological conversations over a beer later tonight or apple juice, that there is no other requirement for salvation other than faith. Now, the difference is, is that some of our brothers and sisters in Christ think that faith plus works leads to eternal salvation. But we, in our Reformed theology, only faith. Only faith. You didn't know that today was going to be such an important day. That Presbyterians throughout the centuries have talked about this very subject so that we might learn and be better about it today. And here, faithfulness. It's believing that God is who God says he is, despite the changes in the world, despite fads, despite impulses in life. And that means that we have to trust what God says in the Bible, not necessarily what the world might woo us to. It's that God is at work in everything, even though we might not see it. And the Old Testament saints are really great examples of this. The invisible work of God was there, but Abraham never saw his descendants become as numerous as the stars in the sky. Moses never entered the promised land and Isaiah, Jeremiah, David, Saul, and Solomon never lived to see that Messiah that they spoke about the coming one, but they were faithful. They believed God would do as God promised. They lived by faith, not by sight. And so Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus traveled and he responded to people who had faith. And he also curtailed his involvement with people where there was no faith. And something in our passage today struck me because I got caught up in the Christianese saying as well, maybe you have the statement growing in faith. Sure, we all want to grow. We all want to be bigger. We want to be better. But the idea and the concept of growing in faith is something Jesus doesn't say anything about. He actually says that its size, its growth, and its volume 
doesn't matter. It's just that you have it. And it also matters who you have it in. It's not the size of your faith that matters. It's the size of the God who you have your faith in. So we today see today in Matthew chapter 17, Jesus's disciples must have been puzzled because early in his public career and their career together with him, they were commissioned in pairs to go without his presence and do what he had been doing. They were to heal the sick. They were to raise the dead. They were to cast out demons and they had done it. It must have felt so easy for them deceptively easy as it turned out. And at that early stage in Jesus's work, they were such fresh disciples hanging on his every word. But now Jesus is up on the Mount of Transfiguration. That's a whole other story, but Jesus is gone for a couple of days and he went up the mountain and they, just the 12 disciples, they were faced with a new challenge and they couldn't do anything about it. Where was their faith? A real belief in the real God would have enabled them to deal with this kind of a situation. And Jesus wondered if he was ever going to get through to them the message. I mean, after all, this is Matthew chapter 17. This isn't Matthew chapter 1. There's only a couple of chapters left until Jesus is dying on the cross and raising from the dead. He has a limited amount of time, people. So when Jesus came down the mountain, he was pissed. Let's put up verse 14 on the screen. When they came to the crowd, a man came to him, knelt before him and said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. So his condition was not only the epilepsy, but the deliberately destructive convulsions of being hurled into fire or water. It was another step past just epilepsy. Here is where Jesus is clearly frustrated with his disciples. Jesus answered, your faithfulness and perverse generation. How much longer must I be with you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring the son here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the boy was cured instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately because who would want to talk to a group of people that they failed at in front of? And they asked Jesus, why were we not able to cast it out? Why were we not able to cast it out? They were honestly befuddled. But it's this. The disciples were faced with a stronger challenge than they had expected. And they were not up for it. They were confused with their want and their success. But they were not all about their faith. They were unable to perform this miracle because... Their faith was not there. Maybe they thought they had the power themselves. Maybe they thought they could do it without bothering God again. It's never the case. The disciples earnestly wanted to know why they couldn't cast out the boy. And so in verse 20, it says, Jesus said to them, because of your little faith, for truly, I tell you, if you have the faith, the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. But only this kind of faith is out by prayer and fasting. I can just see it in the morning news update. 
Mount Sinai vanished in the morning, and what's left is a base of a four-square-mile stone pallet because a mountain had moved. Jesus says to his disciples, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there. Nothing will be impossible. Okay, you guys ready? All right, mountain, move. That wasn't so hard, was it? Who moved a great mountain and has two thumbs? That guy. Really, though, moving large objects, not cardboard objects, takes a lot of effort. It made me think of a giant space shuttle used to transport satellites and manned spaceships into orbit. But after their retirement, somebody has to move them into a museum. And as you might remember, the immense space shuttle Endeavor, whose final mission was in May 2011, was quite a load to move. After low-level flyovers, NASA and, and civic landmarks across the country and California, it was finally delivered to LAX in 2012. And the Endeavor was slowly and carefully transported through the streets of Los Angeles. Three weeks later on La Tijera Boulevard, Manchester, Crenshaw, Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevards, you think we have traffic on a regular basis? It had a hard time too. It encountered so many obstacles while transitioning the streets and narrowly missing telephone poles. In fact, a lot of obstacles had to be remo removed like the electrical lines so that um, it could be moved, but it still went very, very slow. And as news crews lined the streets, there was a lot of chaos and a lot of people came to watch it. I think we can watch it, too.
can move the endeavor. Have you seen that thing? It's huge. Even God can make those mountains move. Can I get an amen? Amen. Even God can move mountains. Amen. Jesus' comments after healing this boy were encouraging and challenging. If you have faith, even as small as a mustard seed, which I don't know if you've ever seen one, is very tiny. You can move mountains. And the secret, of course, is not the size of your faith that's important, but the God in whom you believe. So if you wanted to see the supermoon this last week, the size of the window you were looking through isn't important. What matters is that you're facing the right direction. Even a tiny slit in the wall would do if the moon was on that side of the house. A huge window facing the wrong direction, that would be no good. That's what true faith is like. The smallest prayer to the one true God will produce great things. And the most elaborate devotions to a God of your own makings will prove to be useless. And Jesus knows this from his disciples' failure was due to them not being true to the one true God. In this last verse, and some Greek manuscripts leave it out, and so sometimes the NRSV or whatever Bible translation you're reading actually doesn't have it in it. We miss out on it. But it says, But this kind of faith only comes out by prayer and fasting. Jesus wanted to add one more thing that was really important. This kind of faith is a different kind of faith. Once you are looking through the moon and at the right window, maybe it's time to take out the telescope and to look more closely at the moon. Parallel, look more closely at the God whom you love and have faith with. Perhaps we need some sort of a discipline. Maybe we do need more prayer or fasting from some sort of a thing, not just food. And if Jesus himself needed disciplines like these particular two, why would we think we don't need them? Life is full of challenges, and we, like the disciples, don't want to be caught off guard with some great thing. We're going to make great big mistakes, but if we don't have faith, where will we be? After all, it's faith that it doesn't keep us from hardships. I mean, it didn't keep Daniel out of the lion's deep den, Or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego away from the fiery furnace, did it? It didn't keep us away from the valley of the shadow of death. But faith will still move mountains. Think for a moment. What's a mountain that needs to be moved in your life? If you feel like you're looking out the right window into a great God, why wouldn't a mountain need to be moved. What is that mountain? So today, all of you were handed a post-it note in your bulletins. Go ahead and take the time during now and this next song to write down what your mountain is that you want moved. And then go ahead and come on up here and put it on the mountain. Because faith, even the size of a mustard seed, can move mountains. So why wouldn't your faith be able to move mountains? Amen? Amen.